this is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. sermon series of this church for three weeks, and it was called Devoted, and that word devoted came from a couple different passages and culminated in Acts chapter 2, and here we are today walking through Acts, and we find ourselves in that passage. It's interesting going back and looking at what uh, God was speaking through that time and just seeing how we were um, progressing at, at that place in that time in the church and, and just what we were Asking God to do, I mean, just that prayer. Uh, we, we unveiled 10 things that we'd pray for consistently. And the first one was spiritual leaders, leaders who are led by the Spirit. And I'd say that's still our prayer today. But the word devoted has this idea of, in, especially in Greek, the, the term means something like to attach yourself or to persist in something. So you could attach yourself to someone or just be persistent in something. So, uh, you know, you guys know I've been sharing with you a couple times uh, stories of fishing. I enjoy fishing, right? So this week, one of uh, my deacons who's in the back here uh, asked me, he said, man, hey, you want to go on the Chesapeake Bay and catch some rockfish? And I'm like, uh, yeah, man, let's go. Like, I'm ready. So uh, Friday, we um, set out, got to get up at 2 a.m., try to go catch fish, uh, which some of you may be like, y'all are crazy. Um, so go out on the boat, man, super pumped. I'm, I love fishing, but I also really enjoy taking people fishing or just fishing with people to have conversations. I like talk. I think the best time to talk is around uh, on a fishing boat. I just really enjoy that time. So we go out and I'm super excited about it. Uh, I lo- again, I like watching people fish. So I was encouraging people, kind of stay, taking a step back and saying, hey, that rod, you know, jump on that one, jump on that. Probably drove the, the, the mate and the, um, the uh, captain crazy. Cause I'm telling like people, you know, encouraging people, hey, you know, hook them like this, reel in, stop, you're going reeling too fast kind of thing. Uh, being a super backseat driver back here. I'm sure people love me. Um, anyways. I got to go with our former pastor, Pastor Larry, a deacon, and one of my friends, a disciple here, JD, and uh, just having a great time, right? So everybody's up there fishing. One of the guys looks at me, and he's like, if you don't get up there and fish, I'm going to throw you off this boat. And I was like, yes, sir. So uh, I went up there to start fishing. Well, by this time, everybody's starting to catch like their keeper. Everybody's catching fish. But you got to be ni- over 19 inches to catch a, 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 a to keep a rockfish here in the Chesapeake. So everybody's catching their keepers. They're putting in the boat, and uh, man, so now they throw me up there. They're like, all right, you go, you know, catch some fish. So I start catching this fish, and look now, I love catching fish. I can catch fish, okay? Don't judge me. I can catch some fish, but I start catching some fish, and man, every single one, it's like throw it back, too small, throw it back, too small. Well, b- after a couple minutes or maybe 30 minutes or so, I'm catching fish, but everyone's finished. They've all got their keepers. And here I am up at the front. You got captain, mate, and you got eight guys behind me who are all just watching to see if I can catch a keeper. So, wow, this feels great. So literally six rods, I'm going from one side and then going to the other, and I'm catching them and catching them. And the guys behind me start, like, encouraging me, which doesn't really encourage you. It more makes you feel like, sorry, buddy, you can't do this. We feel for you kind of thing. But I do appreciate it, guys. But anyways, we, can, we progress, and I still can't get the, I can't get the fish. 
So, you know, you start getting a little frustrated with it. It gets, we start eating lunch, still can't get fit, catch, catch fish. I just can't get the keeper. I'm catching fish, but I can't get the fish. But I was devoted to catching that fish. I was going to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. All of a sudden, one time I caught one, and, like, the tip was bending over pretty good. So we're like, man, I'm going to get this fish in here. It's going to be the one. I'm going to take home some, a filet or two, and I'm going to cook it for my bride to show her that I'm a man and I can do this. <laughs> so I'm reeling this bad boy in, and all of a sudden the guys behind me, they literally start a chant for me. They're like, they're like egging me on, encouraging me by like, I don't remember what y'all said. You may remember JD. JD literally has 12 videos of me because he was trying to get the one where I caught the fish. <laughs> he didn't send them any to me because I never caught the fish. So... Uh, anyways, reeling it in, it's, just, it's this little small fish, but everybody's excited for me because it's been over, and all of a sudden it gets up, and it's way too small, and they toss it back. Captain heads out, and he's like, no more fishing. So, of course, I didn't catch the fish, right? But you got these guys behind me, and they're chanting for me. They're like making up this chant so that I can catch this fish, and it just doesn't make you feel any better. It makes you feel worse. <laughs> but I appreciate it. But at the end of the day, I was devoted to catching that fish, and... I wonder, like, in my own life, that persistence, that devotion, like, you can commit to something, but I want to ask you this morning, when you were baptized or when you believed in Jesus, that next day and that next day and that next day, you had to commit to something. Were you devoted? Did you persist in? Were you committed to following after Jesus? Or did you just kind of wane off and just kind of forget that thing? You see, we can look at the early church and we can see something. It says in this passage, the Lord added to their number thousands of people in verse 41, which Pastor Glenn preached last week. But what would they do next? After they were baptized, after they believed in Jesus, what would they do next? Let's look at the answer. We're going to start in verse 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. So what do they do? Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so you ask yourself that word devoted. Like, okay, you get on a boat and you go fishing. You devote yourself to finding that one fish. What about you, though? When you get baptized, when you believe, what do you devote yourself to in your life? What do you commit your life to to do as you pursue pursue life, pursue family, pursue joy? Pursue whatever it may be. What are you devoted to? And I think it's cool that the disciples kind of went to default mode, right? So you think about the disciples' life uh, with Jesus especially. You maybe look at Luke or something like that, and you go, okay, through the Gospels, you see Jesus go away and he goes to pray. But it, often, it always says this word. It says Jesus goes alone to pray in the wilderness, when he was uh, about to take the cross, he goes to the garden and he takes some disciples with him. And then he goes alone to pray. And what do the disciples do? They fall asleep, right? So we see this consistently, including Peter, right? The guy who's standing up and preaching now, he's the one sleeping. We've talked about this before. These guys are sleeping when Jesus is praying. Jesus is going alone into the wilderness to pray, which the wilderness was the place where they would consider the wild beast. Like this is a place of death, right? You don't go there alone. Jesus goes there alone to pray. Right, so we see throughout the gospel that Jesus is going to pray, but the disciples are kind of hanging back, not often going to do these things. But something happens between, and we've talked about this too, which something happens between the gospel and Acts to take these disciples from watching Jesus pray to leading thousands to pray. 
Because if you put yourself in this position, imagine if like 3,000 people walked into Westminster Baptist Church next week at 11 o'clock. What do we do? Like what, 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 would, what do you do? Like throw some programs at, you know, <laughs> oh, let's do this down here. You know, like throw all these programs together, figure out all these different things. So Peter and the disciples are forced to, to really answer that question. God, you have added this number to us daily. What do we do? Four things. They pray together. They fellowship together. They break bread together. And they teach God's word to one another. I think it's so cool because what they essentially did was, hey, Jesus taught us to pray, right? Jesus taught us God's word. All they, literally all they do is look back at what Jesus did and they just apply it to the church. Jesus taught us the Lord's Supper and he gathered us together to follow after him. So why don't we just do what he does? I love it. It's almost like a default mode that they never knew or never did. They weren't teaching. They weren't praying. They, weren't, they were almost obstructing Jesus in all these different situations. And now they're faced with the situation of God adding to their number daily. And they're like, what do we do? We do what Jesus did. And so my challenge to you this morning revolves around this question, what do you devote yourself to? And if your default mode is not Christ, we need to shift gears. Your default mode ought to be, man, what do I do right now in my life? How can I face this situation in my life? I default to, I'm going to pray with my church. I'm going to go to the Lord of my church. I'm going to take the Lord's Supper with my church. I'm going to fellowship with my church. I'm going to engage God's word with my church. I'm going to gather together with my church. That's my default. You see, COVID brought in a really difficult situation, right? Now, for right reasons, we did certain things, and we're not getting into that. We're not dabbling with that, especially this morning. All the different political things and all that behind it. Here's the thing, though. A lot of us got shut into a house, and we figured out what isolation is like, right? We figured out what it looks like to be stuck in the same room with the same person for a year. And some are like, yeah, some of you are chuckling because you're like, yeah, <laughs> this is rough. But it really was. It was rough. It was difficult. You had to figure out new dynamics, different things. I was blessed with a great staff that I could come back with in June. So it was a different experience for me. But a lot of you were in a different environment than you'd ever been in your whole life. And I don't think the project worked. I don't think it's good for Christians or any humans to be alone. It's not how we were created. And so when you look at what they did, man, they were gathering together to be with one another because they needed one another. We need the church. It's why we gather together. When you get into isolation, it, isolation breeds death. Like isolation is the quickest way to die. If all animals went into isolation, they would not continue life. Like isolation cannot continue life. Isolation breeds destruction. But devoting yourself to gathering together, following after Jesus leads to verse 43, right? It says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. I have so many people ask me these days, uh, and I, I'm kind of surprised. I think maybe something went on with the virus or something that people ask this question more often. They say, do you think God still does miracles? I didn't get that as much before COVID, I don't think. You think God still does miracles, and my, my natural response to them is, I say this often, and my wife could probably attest to this for me, not for her, she's a saint, seriously, uh, but for me, my life, when I look at my life, 
here's what I know. If, I, if, I, if it weren't for Jesus transforming my life, I don't believe that I'd be alive today. I mean, all completely honestly, just laying it out there. I don't know what would have taken place, but I don't think I'd be alive today. And I think a lot of, I would have brought a lot of destruction. I've talked that through with you before. But here's what I know. God took me and made me who I am, not by my strength, but by the grace of God, made me who I am. And I know that was a miracle because I could not do it myself. And I know he can do that in your life. I know he can do that with your children. I know he can do that in your marriage. I know he can do that with your walk with him and your temptations. I know that he can do it. Because, verse 42, I've been gathered with people. I've sought him in prayer. I've looked at his word. I've done the Lord's Supper with you. And in fellowship, I've learned and seen what God does in people's lives. And because I've seen it, I've experienced it, I've heard it from the Lord, and I've read it from his word, I can say this, I see God doing things that I can't understand. He does things that I can't do, and because he does, I can only say I'm filled with awe. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Isn't it so, like, this is like, the gospel fleshing itself out when you look at it. Before Jesus was performing these miracles and like everyone was confused. No one understood the miracles. They were like, what's what's happening? Who is this man who can perform these miracles? Who is this man? How does he have authority? How does he have power? How does he have all these things? Even the disciples struggled. Like, what what is Jesus? And even asked them, like, who do you think I am? And they have this sort of struggle and wrestle. One of them's like, yeah, I think you're the Messiah. Some say, they, they, they say what everybody else thinks, but there's just a lot of confusion. But something again happens when the spirit of God comes. The spirit of God comes and brings understanding, right? There's a lot of confusion for the disciples, for even those who follow like the 120 and for those around them, there's just confusion. Like, who is this man, Jesus? And then you get to this part and it's like, there's understanding. They're like, everyone was filled with awe. Before all was like, we don't understand. Now all is like, we believe, right? Before it's like, we don't understand. Now it's let's be baptized and give our entire life to the kingdom of God. Sometimes I think it's so easy, especially in our world, to see what the, what the th- what's happening in our world. And I mean like globally, uh, nationally, and even within our families, right? We can see what's happening, the division in our nation, the division in our families, division globally, whatever you want to see. You can see that and you can go, okay, if that's happening, man. The world is doing some crazy work. Not good. Sometimes you might think good, whatever it is. You can kind of see it and just go, man, Look at that. That is bad. I don't like that. Or you might say, man, that's pretty good. I like what that, what's happening there. When you fix your mind on Jesus Christ and on him alone, like the disciples did and the apostles did, and these thousands of people, all they can do is stand in front of God and go, how is this happening? It only can be attested to the God of the universe. In your life, in your struggles, in your friendships, in your children, in your marriages, look for what God is doing in and through you by the power of the Spirit. You see, when people devote their lives to Jesus, you can see more clearly what he's doing. You know, I think, I think what we struggle with more often than not is not struggling to see miracles. I think it's or struggling to see what God is doing in our lives. I think it's we just get really comfortable sitting in comfortable seats. Right? Like, it's kind of comfortable to come to church, especially in America. It's, we're free. There's air conditioning most of the time. 
there's comfy seats. We can adjust the sound. It can be too loud or too low. People have preferences. All sorts of things we can adjust, get this, to our comfort. But what happens when coming to church is not about being comfortable? What happens when coming to church is about praying on your knees to the king of the universe? What happens when coming to church is about teaching God's word and not self-help guidance? What happens when coming to church is about remembering that Jesus died on the cross and then he told me to do the same, to give up my life daily and follow after him? What happens when church is about people gathering together to be real and raw and honest about who they are and their struggles? But then verse 44 happening. It says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and properties and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Here, let me tell you the, what that essentially says to this. you got a problem, we want to be here to help you, right? It means that people came to church saying, man, I'm struggling, I'm, and this is what I'm struggling with, help. The Essenes, historically, any history people in here? Anybody likes history in here? I know a couple of you do, cool. So the Essenes were a group of Jews who... They would, what, what you did was, if you wanted to become part of their community, you had to sell all of your possessions and give them, to kind of like disperse them to everybody, right? So it's just this community where you just came in with everything and then gave everything away and you distributed to everybody, right? So the Christians are kind of figuring themselves out. This early church is figuring out what do, how do we take care of our people? And you can see it grow through Acts chapter 5 and 6 and then in chapter 9. You can see this growth of how they care for one another. The goal is this, and this is what you have to understand from this passage. The early church was doing five things, I think, really well. They were praying together. They were teaching God's word. They were fellowshipping together. They were doing the Lord's Supper to focus back on Jesus Christ. And they were caring for one another really, really well. So they sold all their possessions and property. I mean, they were devoted. Look at verse 46. He uses the word again. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Devoted themselves. What does church look like for you? What does post-baptism life look like for you? Are you devoted Is church like a dessert on the side of life? Or is church something you've devoted yourself to? Now, I I say church, and when I say church, you know, you know, I hope, I don't mean programs and buildings. I mean what it says in the next passage here. Verse 46, every day they devoted themselves, what? To meeting together in the temple. The literal definition of a synagogue in Greek, synagogue, means to gather together. We see this in Hebrews and in Acts. You ought to be gathering together with other believers often. I think the most often we find ourselves doubting that God's moving or not finding life change is when we're not being present with other believers. We need to be in presence. In, we need to be around. We need to be rubbing shoulders, linking arms, struggling together, growing together, praying, fellowshipping, teaching, caring, and doing the Lord's Supper together. 
It says, and it says right after that, and broke bread from house to house. You see it shifted from the synagogue and the temple to the houses because persecution came. So they couldn't meet in the temples and tabernacles. At first they could because they saw them as, Christ, as uh, Jews who just believed in Christ. They didn't see them as a separate religion. When it became a separate religion, they kicked them out of the public places and moved them into the homes. But they were so committed that they met in homes. Like we didn't have the AC and the comfortable seats and the freedom to worship together, would we still? Verse 47, let me come 46 to it. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Well, man, can you imagine what it would look like to be in a, let's say, nation, state, city, family, where you just had peace? That's unbelievable. Just let that sink in for a second. Peace. They, in First Peter and Second Peter, like there's a super challenge. Like, super, I mean, it's like awesome. Live at peace amongst everyone. What does it look like in your life from you and God all the way up to the world to live at peace amongst all people? They experienced it. See, they experienced peace where they were. And this next phrase, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. How awesome of an experience would that be for a church? It's like we live at peace with everyone around us. I mean, come on, look around you. Like the world hates the church right now. We are one, one of the most hated people in the world. We are the most persecuted people in the world. We're just not in this area. We are hated. Christians are hated. But they lived at peace. And the Lord was just adding to their number daily, day after day, adding thousands of people. I can't imagine what that experience was like, but I know this. It's kind of a capstone. I know this. When God adds thousands to them, they go back to him. And let's be careful that when we get saved and baptized, we don't walk away. As a church, when you experience growth and excitement, it's not like, okay, get bigger, better. Let's do everything, all these different things so we can just keep getting bigger and bigger and better and better and better. And it's like, no, no, no. What's the point of this? This is to follow after Jesus. I hope that you and myself and this church We'll focus on this. When you wake up every day, devote yourself. Devote yourself to following after Jesus. The cool thing about this passage is it's a corporate thing, right? It's us. It's not me. It's not you. It's not your family or my family. It's us. We're in this together. three things I want you to walk away with is this. Saved people gather. Saved people gather. If you are a believer in Jesus and you are not gathering together with others, and I think corporate like this is awesome, but I'm even talking life group, D group type situations. They say that they met together daily. You got to have that community of people where you're just, it's okay to come in there and just wrestle with some things and throw them out there. 
But if you're not gathering together regularly, I would encourage you to devote yourself to this. Saved people gather and gather pe- gathered people pursue God. Saved people gather. And when you put Christians together in the same room, this, this is what ought to happen. We ought to do what Christians do. You put the disciples all together with thousands of people and they're like, ooh, what do we do? You know, the church goes wrong when they start doing things other than what Jesus told them to do, right? Start talking about things that don't matter like carpet and colors and paint and all that mess and worship styles and preaching styles and all this different stuff. And you start talking about all these things and you're just like, hey, what's the main thing again? Jesus, right? Come on, church, right? What's the main thing? Yeah. I feel like I get more yeses in a business meeting. We got to be careful there, okay? Um, Jesus is the one that matters. We have to be committed to this. Like, seriously, if our commitment, man, our commitment should be this that every Sunday morning we come in, and our commitment is not to do the things of the church, but to do what the church does pursuing after God together. So three things, again, save people, gather, gathered people, pursue God. And third, gather disciples, care for each other well. We do the best we can loving each other well, and we commit to this. That little bug looks like he's going to eat me. Sorry. I can't stand bugs. Last night I was about to go to sleep. My wife was already asleep, and a spider came up on my bed. I couldn't go to sleep for like hours. I hate spiders. But church... We meet together, we gather together for these reasons. And it's what the early church did. And honestly, it's not everything that they did. There weren't pastors then. They hadn't even instituted deacons then. They just did what Jesus did. Let's just do what Jesus does. And if you're in here this morning, I got two challenges for you. First, if you believed in Jesus but never been baptized, I want to challenge you again, as Pastor Glenn did, to be baptized. There's a reason for that because entrance into the local church, the expectation is baptism. And the reason for that is because baptism is entrance in or declaration of being part of the global church. Membership is being part of a local church. Why does membership matter? Let me give you three reasons from this passage. I'm not trying to convince you to become a member. I'm just trying to encourage you to be able to see that there's a reason that membership is uh, important to us here at WBC. And there's three reasons. One, because I believe that care comes through commitment. Care comes through commitment. It's hard to care for those you don't know. Just being like 100% honest. If you come in here on Sundays and, uh, and, uh, and then leave and don't get connected in any way, it's really hard for me to um, remember your face. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I can see prayer requests. But I want to pray for you. I want to care for you. I want to know you. I at least want to uh, help deacons to care for you, life group leaders, to do that well. So care comes through commitment. Biblical teaching comes through commitment. Committing to a group of pastors to say, teach us God's word, set the theology, help us to understand the theology, and we're going to work within that kind of thing. Like I understand every single person should read God's word, but there's got to be some sort of commitment to where we say, okay, Man, God's word, we kind of, here's how we understand it. Here's how we preach it. Here's kind of, we, we agree that this is a Bible-believing church and that we're going to be gauged by, geared to God's word. So commitment leads to, a commitment to 
the church leads to biblical theology. Commitment to a church leads to care, and commitment to a church leads to accountability. I think all three of those are really critical and are completely displayed in these pa- this passage. You don't get care outside of the church, care like this outside of the church. You don't get that accountability, and you don't get that biblical teaching outside of the church. And so I hope you, as you consider what you're doing with your life, you'll, con- you'll consider these two things. Be baptized if you haven't, and be a part of a local church. And honestly, I would love for you to be part of this church. Um, but at the same time, if there are other Bible-believing churches around this area making disciples, we want you to be plugged in there too because we believe you can make a difference there too and grow and impact that church too. So it's not like we're just trying to hoard people into this place. What I really want is to see the, the global church flourishing. But I would love for you to be part of this church if this is a place that you feel like you can commit to and grow in. So be baptized and be gathering. I'm going to call the um, worship team up here. We're going to have time of response. And uh, if you're here this morning and you have never believed in Jesus Christ, I want you to know these things. Jesus Christ did what we couldn't do by living a perfect life in this world. Jesus Christ did what you couldn't do by dying a death and taking every punishment, sin, and evil upon himself. Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and we couldn't. He overcame death because you couldn't. But because of him, you can. Because of his life, death, and resurrection, we can have life now. And though we may die, know that we will raise from the dead because of Jesus Christ. So if you've never believed in Jesus, I want to talk to you. We're going to have our prayer team down here as well. Some deacons and ladies are going to be here to pray with you. If you'd like to come pray, we'd love to pray over you. I'll be down here as well to be baptized, to place your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time, or to figure out what this thing of committing to a church even looks like. Like, what does it look like for you to devote yourself to meeting together with believers to grow in this way? Man, I hope you'll commit to this. Daily, weekly, whatever it looks like for you, I hope you'll commit to this kind of accountability, this kind of biblical teaching, and this kind of care. Don't walk away from God's word today. Please. I'm gonna say this as as straight as I can. These comfortable seats will not change your lives. But if you commit to a local church, to the discipleship process, I believe that the Holy Spirit can transform lives. We'd probably be better off taking out chairs so people wouldn't come than filling our room with people who don't grow. I love you, but one of our strongest truths is this. We want to lead people from where they are to where God has for them. And I believe God has something for you. So I'm going to pray for you. And no matter where you are, I believe God has something for you. So if you need prayer, come down. There'll be people people around praying for you, and I'll be up here as well. Father, would you guide us? Would you help us in our commitment to you? and to your word. Father, would you help us to be like these early disciples, to devote ourselves to gathering together from house to house and church to church, gathering together, committed to your word, your truth, your prayer, the way you outlined it in scripture of how to pray to you, the way you outlined Lord's Supper and how to do it. Help us to be devoted to what you've given us. I pray, God, that you would raise up new life in this room today. Father, I pray that there may be somebody in this room who's never believed in you. 
somebody who's never been baptized and wants to commit to your global church, somebody who's never become a part of a local church and wants the accountability, care, and theology that it can give. So, Father, you move in this place as you see fit, and we will follow after you. We love you, God, and we trust you in your son's name. Amen. Lead me to the cross where your love will 
Remember, you're sitting in the midst of darkness, so light it up. I pray you have a great week this week. If you're interested in BBS, please talk to Pastor Bill or Miss Barbara. She's in here right now as well. Uh, and you can connect with VBS to serve or to sign up someone. And uh, also, if you're interested in knowing more about WBC, WBC, I'd love to talk to you afterwards to connect you with Alpha. All right, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.